0: Well, I think, uh, and and let me say this too, uh, this is a little different study than what we usually do. We usually do a a Bible, a book of the Bible or a topic. This is not going to be maybe as expository as some of our um, usual studies, but this is really an equipping study. I really want to equip you. I think that we can all say that the past couple of weeks have been really difficult for us here in Memphis as we have witnessed things that we it have been upsetting. As we've witnessed, you know, sense, um, senseless kidnappings, murders, um, the city being told to stay home Wednesday night, um, things like that that have really been distressing. And it's that I think things may just. Continue to move in that direction. I'm not trying to be negative, but I'm trying to be realistic of, Lord, what are you doing? And so it's very fitting that we have a solid foundation, that we are rooted in our faith. Because as times get hard, it would be so easy to be swayed away from what we know to be truth Unless we're rooted, and that's why, when I chose this theme, I had no idea of where we would be today and what we'd be seeing. And so it's very fitting that we are rooting ourselves, making sure that our roots are going deep. And this first week, our topic is on the foundation. And if I were going to give you one exhortation to take away from this week, it would be to build a strong foundation and keep doing that. Be rooted In a strong foundation. Make sure that your roots are in the right place and that it's solid. And that's what we're going to be talking about. For those of you who were here, I think 11 years ago, we went through a study called Building Your Spiritual Toolbox. How many of y'all were in that? I'm just curious. Oh, quite a few. Okay. Y'all hung in there with me for 10, 11 years. That's great. This is a revamping of that study. Uh, We spent the first five weeks doing what we studied in one week this time. So we've really, I've just kind of condensed it. But this was to equip you to have a solid foundation. And so this morning what I want to do is just address three S's of a solid foundation. It doesn't mean that these are the only three things But there are three things that we looked at in your study this week. And so, the first S is salvation. And I'm going to give you an exhortation with each of these S's. And so, the exhortation with this is just to stand secure in your salvation. You know, there are very few things that we can be sure of today. We don't know when we're going to die. Uh, We don't We can't be sure of what tomorrow holds. We can't even be sure that we'll get home tonight. Every morning when I leave, I tell the cats, love y'all, I'll see you this afternoon. Lord willing, I hope I'll see you this afternoon. But we don't know. We don't know what our money's going to do, our investments tomorrow, next year. But there is one thing that we can be certain and secure about, and that is our salvation. If we have put our faith in Him, we can be 100%. So, the question that I asked you on day one, how do I know if I'm a Christian? That's something that we all need to know the answer and where in Scripture we go. Uh, I mentioned in your study, I talked about the uh, two diagnostic questions that Evangelism Explosion use when they share the gospel. I went through Evangelism Explosion in Dallas. And... I love those two questions and I used them often sitting at a waiting room at a hospital in Dallas when we would go out and share our faith. And it's interesting to hear the the different answers when you'd ask them, well do you know for sure where you'd spend eternity? Most would say, "Yeah, I'm pretty sure." Well, why? What what would, would you tell God as to why? And you'd hear all kinds of different things and so some of the answers that I've heard over time Uh, including back when I was in college and shared my faith and up until now, uh, these are some of the answers that you're going to hear. One, I, I was born a Christian. I heard that a lot at LSU. For some reason, that was just the answer people gave. I was born a Christian. Well, no, we're not. We're born sinners For those of you who have little kids, I think you could probably vouch for that, that your little ones want their way now. We're born sinners. We're not born Christians. We need a Savior. So that's not the right answer. Another answer I've heard, I don't think we would hear this as much today as I did when I was in college or even in Dallas, but I've heard this answer my parents are Christians. So I, I, I'm a Christian because my parents are. I, I inherited my salvation from them. But that's not a, an accurate answer either because, yes, you can become a Christian and be impacted in your faith by your parents' example. But you're not automatically a Christian because you're mom and dad. It is a gift that every person has to accept. I'm sorry, this is hitting. Every Christian has to accept that gift. You don't inherit it just naturally. And a third, pers- a third reason, and this is one that I think we hear most of the time, I'm a good person. I've lived a good life. I was sharing with somebody not too long ago, and their answer was, I'm not a bad person. I, I, I do good things for people. I haven't committed adultery. I haven't murdered anybody. I think God is only going to send people that do those really bad things to hell. That's not what the Bible says. And so that is not an accurate answer. We cannot work for it. We cannot earn it. No matter how good we are, we're never going to be good enough to rise to holiness on this earth. We're always going to fall short, so we need a Savior. So then, where is our security? How do you know if you're a Christian? Well, have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? In His blood, and His payment for your sin? That's how we know. If you have... I'm going to give you a few verses that you looked at that I just want to uh, touch base with. Ephesians 1.13 says, in him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. That is such a powerful verse that is packed with so much. It really tells you how you come to Christ. You listen. You hear the message, the gospel. You listen to it. You believe it, meaning you put your trust in it. You, you rely on that gospel. You believe it. And then you're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. That's how we come to Christ. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 is another one that just tells us it's not by works. You've been saved by grace. You've been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not as a result of works that no one can boast. That's pretty uh, pretty plain and very straightforward. In your Bible study, you probably discussed this morning, what's the difference between mercy and grace? And I see it as two sides of the same coin. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. I got a, um, well, I, I was speeding Uh, not here in Memphis now, but this was, uh, actually, I was living in Memphis at the time, but I was coming back from Louisiana on some back roads in North Louisiana, and I just wasn't thinking. uh, My mom was in the hospital, and I was, I don't know, going 70 in a 55 mile per hour speed limit. The cop pulled me over, and I just started crying, going, I'm so sorry. I just, I just, I didn't My mom is sick and I just had so much on my mind. Okay, just go ahead and give me the ticket. (laughs) And the guy had mercy on me. And he said, well, you deserve the ticket. You're guilty. But you know what? Go. That's mercy. Not giving us what we deserve. And grace is the other side where we get what we don't deserve. I had grace that day too, along with mercy, because I deserved that ticket. But he gave me freedom from paying that, that fine. I didn't have to pay the ticket. That is grace. So how do I know for sure that I'm a Christian? It comes down to that question. Have you put your faith in Jesus, in his work on the cross for your sins? Have you personally accepted that gift of salvation that he offers? That's how you come to Christ, by saying, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know I will never be good enough. I need a Savior. Thank you that you paid the penalty for my sin so that I wouldn't have to. He says in uh, 1 John five thirteen, These things I've written to you, who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know. Not think, not hope, but that you may know that you have eternal life. That's one thing that you can be certain of. So the first S is salvation. This first S for your um, building a solid foundation is stand secure in your salvation. Know why you're a believer and that you cannot lose it. He seals you with his Holy Spirit. So the second S is sin. And the exhortation with that is stand victorious over sin. And again, I'm just going to ask a few questions for us to think about. You know, well, first, what is sin? I think we all know what it is. It's anything that goes against God's standard. It's anything that falls short of His holiness. And every one of us in this room sins. It may just be a thought that comes across our mind for a moment. Or we said something that hurt somebody. Or we gossiped. Or we had this fear come over us and we weren't trusting the Lord. We're all sinners. He says in Romans 3.23, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So then another question I hear, and these are questions that uh, I, I've heard from people as I have shared my faith or discipled. Why do I still sin if I'm a Christian? Why, I, why, why am I still sinning? Well, Galatians 5, you looked at this. Galatians five sixteen to 17 tells us that we have still a human nature. Our flesh is still alive and kicking, and it will be. As long as we're in these human bodies. We've got a flesh that still wants to do things the way we've always done them. But now we have the Holy Spirit living. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute. We have the Holy Spirit in us and so there's this battle. You know, you've been the boss of your life for years. And then all of a sudden you come to Christ. You put your faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit comes in and you're not so sure you're ready to let go. It's like, well, wait, I've done it this way, so I'm gonna do it my way, Holy Spirit. You let let it that's where you, you get into that battle and that struggle, because your flesh is still alive and kicking. We'll talk a, a little bit more about that in just a minute. Then a question I've been asked is, well, what if I don't feel forgiven? I've confessed, but I don't feel forgiven. And this is where you need to listen to God's word and not your feelings. Your feelings will tell you you're not forgiven. Satan doesn't want you to think you're forgiven. But God's word tells us that we are forgiven because of what he did on the cross. Ephesians 1.7 tells us in him, in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. When you don't feel forgiven, you go to this passage and you go, Yes, I am forgiven. Even if I don't feel it, I know I am. You know, I've talked with women who have come to me and said, Cricket, I don't think that God can forgive this sin in my life. I know he can forgive all these others, but this is one sin I honestly don't think Jesus can forgive. It's too bad. That is wrong. Because when you're saying that, you're saying, Jesus, your blood wasn't enough to cover all sins. And it was. It is. It is enough. There is no sin that he cannot forgive other than rejecting Jesus Christ. There's no sin. I want you to think about in the Bible, we have examples of, of men who sinned that God used greatly. Think back to Moses. He murdered a man. God used him. David had an affair. I mean, he he committed adultery with Bathsheba and then worked it out to where his husband would be killed. God forgave that, and look at how he used David. Rahab was a harlot. God used her. Paul persecuted Christians. God forgave all those sins. God can forgive any sin that we have. And I'm sharing this with you because not just for your benefit, but as you meet with women who come to you and ask you these questions, you're equipped to answer them. So this is for you to think through also in discipling somebody else or mentoring somebody. Well, then comes a question I've had people ask me this Am I forgiven because I confess? Is that why I'm forgiven? And the answer is no. You're forgiven because you put your faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross. It's his blood that's the basis for our forgiveness. So then you might be asked, Well, then why confess? If, if my confession isn't what forgives me, if I'm already forgiven by His blood, why do I need to confess? Well, because confession is what restores that broken fellowship with the Lord. As you come and you say, God, I, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. It was wrong. I shouldn't have said that. Forgive me, Lord, and I don't want to do it again. Help me. And it restores that fellowship. It's like when you have a fight with your husband or even a good friend and you say something and you, or you do something that hurts them. There's tension in that relationship, that fellowship, until you go and you say, I am so sorry I did that. I was wrong. Please forgive me. That's why we confess because it restores and deepens that fellowship with the Lord. And we're admitting I was wrong, Lord. And that opens the door for him to work in us. So then another question I've asked is, why do I still feel guilty after I confess? And again, that's where we have to go to the Word of God. Don't go by your feelings. Satan wants you to feel guilty. He does not want you to believe that you're forgiven. Satan condemns. The Holy Spirit convicts. Satan wants you to feel bad about your sin and not get past it. But that is not where God wants you. He wants you to confess, trust that he's paid for it, and move on. Don't stay in that area of guilt. You know, um, I've shared this, I think, years ago with y'all, but for some of you who don't know my college years... um, when I went to college, I shared, I think, in the study, I, I was carnal for two and a half years, and I got really caught up in the party scene and uh, with the drinking and even smoking, and when I turned my life over to the Lordship of Christ as a junior at LSU, and LSU was a party school, it was, it was hard to be there uh, unless you, I mean it was just hard. But I turned my life over to him, I'd surrendered everything and walked away from that. And then my senior year, I'm interning as a medical technologist at the hospital, and two of our instructors, med techs, invited us over for dinner at their house, another student and me, and we went over for dinner. And um, Harry and Tweeji said, well, do you want a glass of wine? And I thought, what would a glass of wine hurt? I mean, it's fine. Sure, I'll take a glass of wine. And then one glass led to another glass, which led to another glass. And the next morning I woke up and I sat and I thought, "Ugh, God, see, this is not going to work. I'm not going to be able to do this. I failed. And I started to beat myself up, but it was like the Holy Spirit just tapped on me and said, uh-uh, you're forgiven, you confess it, and now you change. you let me change your life. And I did. I stopped right there and I said, God, I am so sorry for last night. And I I was wrong, but I never want to do that again. Lord, don't let me ever do that again. We don't need to feel guilty and stop. Yes, we're going to blow it. But I will never forget that day because that's when I realized how much I wanted to walk with the Lord. I did not like that feeling of guilt. Don't stay there. Okay, so if I'm forgiven, then why not sin all I want to? You looked at that in your lesson this week. And I'll give that in three, really three quick things that you address as you studied. Uh, One, if you truly love God, you're going to want to please Him. You don't want to do things that would dishonor Him. And I realized that in college that morning. I thought, Lord, I want to walk with you, and I want to please you, and I'm so sorry. So you will want to do those things that show your love for him. But a second reason that you don't want to keep sinning even though you're forgiven is because you're miserable. As a Christian, when you keep sinning, I was carnal for two and a half years at LSU, and I was miserable that whole time. I knew something was wrong. I just wanted to fit in with the, the gang. You're miserable. I, um, when I was on staff with crew and I was uh, living in L.A. for three months as part of a training before I moved overseas, I lived in Watts. Uh, they wanted to immerse us into a, a place that we were a little bit out of our comfort zone. And it was wonderful, actually, but um, we would go every afternoon and share Christ in the neighborhood, and I shared Christ with this young girl, and she came to Christ, and, but she was living with the guy at the time, and so I came back two days later to start going through basic follow-up and helping her grow, and when she opened the door, I mean, she invited me in, but she said, Cricket, I wish that I had never opened the door to you. Two days ago. And I went, why? And she said, because before I came to Christ, I did not know this was sin. And now that I know that I cannot continue to live with this guy because I'm a Christian, I'm miserable because I'm still with him. We're miserable when we sin as a Christian. And the good thing is that she walked away from the relationship and then married a godly man and sent me pictures of, of them and they have wonderful kids that they brought up in the, with the Lord. But you're miserable because you know it's sin now. So that's why you don't want to keep doing it. So the first S of our foundation is salvation. Stand secure in your salvation. The second S of a solid foundation is sin. Stand victorious over sin. He's paid the penalty, so stand in that victory. The third S is spirit. And the exhortation there would be to stand strong in the power of the Holy Spirit. So who is the Holy Spirit? You know, I don't know about you. I grew up in a a church... But I didn't really hear much about the Holy Spirit. I mean, I knew he was God, and that's about it. But I didn't realize the relationship that we have with the Holy Spirit. And, you know, he's the third person of the Trinity. He is God. But I never really understood how that impacted me. And so the question comes, so where is he? He is living in the life of every believer. He is in you. At the moment you come to Christ, he comes to live inside of you. You know, as a little kid, we used to say, yeah, I asked Jesus into my heart. And I never quite understood how that worked. How do you ask a man into your heart? But I realized it's the Spirit who comes in and dwells in you. John 14, 16, there's several places that tell us that he lives in us. John 14 16, Jesus says, I will ask the Father, he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. You know him because he abides with you and will be in you. The Holy Spirit is in you. Romans 8:11, 1 Corinthians 3:16 both say, His Spirit dwells in you. How do you know that? Well, those were those verses. Go to those verses. He lives in you once you come to Christ. I did not know that in college until Bonnie sat down with me. Bonnie was on staff with crew and came to my dorm room on a Friday afternoon as my um, January of my junior year, second semester of my junior year. And she helped me understand that I was a believer, but I was not relying on the Holy Spirit to live the Christian life. And that I needed to let go and hand my life over to Him, His Lordship, and ask Him to work in me. Because at that time, I couldn't say no to the temptations of life. I, I, I didn't know how. I tried. I tried quitting things, and I just couldn't. And so... Um, Once I let go and I understood that I could draw from the power of the Holy Spirit to live the Christian life, it changed my life. Um, I struggled with that all weekend and went to some crusade meetings. And then that Sunday night I got on my knees and I prayed a prayer from a little blue book that Bonnie had given me. And I just said, God, I've been in control of my life and I've made a mess of it. If you can clean it up, here it is. Would you empower me through your spirit to walk in a manner that honors you? I don't know how that's going to happen. Lord, I was still partying at the time. I was dating an agnostic. God, how is this going to work? And that next morning, I went to my 745 class on the LSU campus and walked into the classroom, sat next to the friend that I always sat next to, that I usually partied with, but I hadn't that weekend, because I was with the crew people. And I sat down, and she said, hey, how was your weekend? And before I knew what came out of my mouth, I said, it was great. I gave my life to Jesus Christ, to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And I stopped, and I don't know who was more shocked, she or me. (laughs) Because I, I, I literally looked down and went, you are there. I would have never said that. And that was the beginning. And as, you know, I walked away from all the things I was doing and uh, shared Christ with the guy I was dating that was an agnostic while Bonnie sat in the, the sofa in the lobby praying for me behind a newspaper. <laughs> and... Uh, I shared Christ and he said, oh, you'll, you'll, be, you'll get over this. You'll come back to reality and I'll give you a week and you'll be ready to come back to your old life. Nope. The Holy Spirit is powerful enough to change us. But we can't do it on our own. We need to surrender and draw from his power in us. You know, Jesus called him the helper. And and you looked at all the things that the Holy Spirit does. He guides us. He teaches us. He convicts us. He empowers us. He intercedes for us. I love that. With groanings too deep for words. He seals us. And then Paul instructs us in Ephesians 5.18, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. So what does that mean to be filled with the Spirit? You looked at that this week. It just me, it means to be controlled and empowered by the Holy Spirit in you. And it's not a one-time thing. Yes, I said that initial prayer in January of 1973. Some of you weren't born then. But I said that prayer and I'll never forget that night. It, but that's not the only time I've asked. I do it. It's an ongoing, moment by moment thing. When you take control, Crew taught it to us as spiritual breathing. You exhale, you confess. You inhale, you ask them to take control. It's an ongoing relationship. Let go of control. Whose power are you going to draw from as you live the Christian life? Yours or the Holy Spirit? Surrender to His Lordship, to His control. Let go of of being the boss. You know, every morning before I leave my house, in my quiet time, I ask the Lord to show me any unconfessed sin that I may have just been oblivious to. And then I ask Him to fill me. To empower me for that day. And that doesn't mean that I don't sin during the day. And there are times I'll be walking down the hall and go. I should not have said that. Lord I'm sorry. Exhale. Inhale. Do it. If you have to do it all day long. So those are the three S's of a solid foundation. Salvation. Stand secure in your salvation. Sin. Stand victorious over sin. And third, Spirit. Stand strong in the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to uh, end our time with a time of reflection for you to, to ponder. I want you to close your eyes. I'm just going to ask some questions for you to just think about as we close. And you just kind of have a little conversation with the Lord as I guide you. Are you secure in your salvation? Have you put your trust in Jesus to pay the penalty for your sins? Have you accepted his gift? Then you can stand secure in your salvation. If not, don't put it off. Come to somebody, me or your small group leader or friend, and say, would you pray with me? Is there a sin in your life that you don't believe you can be forgiven for? Or a sin that you still feel guilty over? Let it go. Jesus paid it all. He gave his blood for every sin. Is there a sin that you're struggling with that you just can't seem to gain victory over, that it just keeps surfacing, confess it. Turn to Him. Draw from His strength to defeat that sin. Ask somebody to hold you accountable. Stand victorious over sin. And then, are you drawing from the power of the Holy Spirit in you? Or are you trying to live the Christian life on your own strength? Are you sitting on the throne of your life today? Do you need to step off and surrender to the power and the leading of the Holy Spirit? And to say, Holy Spirit, you take charge. Stand strong in the power of the Holy Spirit. Be rooted in a solid foundation. Let me pray for us. Father, uh, um, I thank you that we have the Holy Spirit in us as believers. And I thank you that we're never alone, that we never walk through any difficult circumstance that you're not with us. And Father, I pray for each woman in this room that they are rooted in a solid foundation. But if not, that they would grow their roots and learn more and more about you. Father, I pray that if there's anyone in this room that hasn't accepted your gift of salvation, I pray they do it now, today by just admitting, God, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. I accept you and what you've done on the cross. Father, help us draw from the power of your Spirit and not our own strength. Lord, change us. Make us lights in this world that's becoming darker. Shine through us, Father, as we allow you to work in us your way. Thank you for this time this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.